Um, the, the Bible says a couple different places that when the people of God gather, the spirit of God is there and that uh, everyone comes with something. You know, everyone has a, a song or a hymn, a spiritual song, a tongue or a word, a prophetic word. And uh, we don't have to do all those, but I just thought it would be good for me to ask, is there anyone who's bubbling right now? We've been worshiping. The Spirit of the Lord is present. Anyone who's got a sense of a word of encouragement, a, a picture, vision, tongue, you got a song, bring it. Now's your time. Sean? Okay. Two? Okay, you next. Hi, my name is Sean. It's on. As we were praying uh, and worshiping, I saw the vision of the keep, keep Keep the... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, must, you must be a Persian. <laughs> I, someone told me that. <laughs> so as we were talking and they were worshiping, I saw the vision of the wood and uh, this valley, beautiful valley, and the season of coming in peace to me and celebrate me. And that God uh, just gave me this Psalm of 65. It says, praise await you, O God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. The whole thing is that, you know, after this season, it's a season of abundance, season of receiving, season of uh, enjoying this amazing time that we went through. Yeah. And with expectancy. Yeah. That, uh, and it's just as uh, Lynn said, it's a season that we received it and now is a time to pass it on. Yeah. It's not to just keep it. Sometimes we keep receiving it and we hold on to it. We ask God what we do. So this is a time to give it away. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Season of abundance. We'll take it. Matthew. Yeah, so I have, oh, yeah. So I kind of have a story to share. So I'm pretty big in the car community, and I was doing a photo shoot yesterday with a gentleman with a car. And I usually you know, don't expect too many spiritual things to come out of these, but it turns out that he was a really devout Christian. He was actually kind of being a missionary in that community. He specifically chose his license plate to be 182JC, so it would be a conversation starter so he could share the gospel with others. And I think it was a really neat reminder that God can really use us wherever we are in whatever community we are in. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Matthew. That's great. Anybody else? Okay. Thanks, you guys, for sharing that. I just want to encourage you as a, as a church, as a family community, um, Church is not a spectator sport. <laughs> it's not a sport, but it's definitely not a spectator sport. When we gather in the presence of God, I'm going to talk about it today, God is here and he's stirring and each of you bring a gift. And I think to, um, the more that we share those gifts one with another, it doesn't always have to be in the middle of a service. It might be when you're saying hello to each other, when you first walk in or when you walk out. You know, part of the beauty of the body of Christ is that we're connected by blood. You know, the blood of Jesus is what connects us. We are family. We're an odd family at times, you know, but, but we're a family. And so share with one another. I really want to encourage you when you come in. I tell people this all the time. If I see someone sitting in the sanctuary or I see someone in a, in a room in the church before service and the lights are off, I say, you can turn the lights on. This is your church. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. If you come to this church, this is your church. I love it when people walk into the vineyard and they begin to say we rather than you. Because this is not a me thing. This is a we thing. 
God's made us the body of Christ. So join in. Give. Uh, We all come from the same stock, so to speak. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are, even as we sit, just encountering people. You're speaking to people. You're loving people. Holy Spirit, you're convicting people. You're extending grace to people, compassion to people. You're speaking truth to people. It's in you, God, that we live and we move and we have our being. So we acknowledge your presence here. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the love of Jesus, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, that you have made us one family. We pray that as we uh, look at the scripture, we talk this morning, we meditate, that you would grow us up. Lord, I pray that none of us, not me, not one person, would walk out the doors today the same as they walked in, but we would just get another glimpse of transformation in the presence of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay. I want to uh, give you in the next 20, 25 minutes or so, I want to give you a little bit of history. I want to give you a little bit of context for our church, the Vineyard. And then I want to talk about the most important thing in the Indy Vineyard Church, the primary most important thing. So a little bit of history, a little bit of context, and then numero uno. I wish I could say that in a whole bunch of languages, but I don't have any more, all right? A um, little bit of history. When you think about the church, we've talked in this sanctuary about the church in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you think about the, the church as a family. Sometimes you think about the church as a school. Maybe you think about the church as a hospital. Or you think, uh, we had a prophetic person in here a couple years ago, Sue King. Sue used to say, the church is a battleship, you know. She was uh, emotional and dramatic, yeah. Um, When I think about the church, our church here, I think about a farm. And not because I grew up on a farm, I didn't. I'm not a big farmer guy. But I think about the church as a farm because that's the image that the Lord's spoken to me personally Um, uh, with about our church. Uh, I see our church as a farm because, in a sense, a farm is all of those other things. You know, 90% of the farms in the United States today are family farms. Still today. You think maybe it's these big conglomerates. No, 90% of the farms in the U.S. are still family farms because at its essence, I mean, sort of growing up, farm is a family, right? Think of a, a farmhouse and, a, and all generations working together to produce a crop, to invest their blood, sweat, and tears, invest their time into something, and they do it in community. When, when one part of the farm is suffering, the whole family goes to, to care for that. When there's rejoicing and abundance, the whole family gets to do that. So the farm is like a family. It's also like a hospital. You know, in, I don't know, these days, I, but I guess in the old days, you know, family farms, if someone gets hurt out in the fields, what do they do? They've got to bring them into the farmhouse and mom or dad or grandma or someone's got to take care of them. Healing happens on a farm. And so, though, as a church, we're a hospital, we're a farm hospital. We are a working farm hospital. 
And the, 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 a farm is a training place too, right? In spite of what people at Purdue might think and say, no offense to Purdue graduates here, all right? I know and love one. Uh, you don't learn how to farm in a classroom. You learn how to farm by farming. Now, there's lots you can learn sitting and listening. I hope that's what's going to happen here in the next 20 minutes. But really, you learn how to farm by farming in the same way that you learn how to pray by praying. And you learn how to heal the sick by healing the sick. You learn how to worship in God's presence by taking that step and beginning to put yourself out and expressing your love to God. You learn to follow Jesus by walking with someone else and trying to follow Jesus, right? I mean, on a farm, it's hands-on. And that's, I see us like that as a church. So that's why, if, especially if you've just... <clears throat> Puberty, I'm almost through it. (laughs) By the time I'm 60, I'm sure. If you've just been here for, uh, you know, a couple of months, you may look at this poster. You see this farmstead project poster around the church and think, what's with these people, you know? Is there some crop out there I should know of? Or, like, do they have a family farm or something like that? No, the reason you see this is because the vision of the church is we're like a farmstead. You know, picture a house, picture all generations of extended family and friends and community coming together and cultivating community and then planting in the various fields that God's given us. I mean, that's the vision of our church. It doesn't matter how high-tech you might be out there in the world or we might be as a church, not particularly high-tech at times. What we're doing is we're planting the seed of the gospel in the specific fields that God has given us the places he's given us, influence and authority. He's planted us, you know, from, I was looking for Greenfield all the way to Cicero, all the way to, I don't know where you, I'm sorry, Fishers, a lot of Fishers people over here. McCordsville of all places in the world. I mean, God's given us as a church specific places where we get to carry the presence of God. And so the Farmstead Project came up, it, 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 emerged from within us as a church a couple of years ago because we see that as the vineyard's response to the commission of Jesus to make disciples of all generations who would make disciples, who would make disciples, who would spread out to communities, fields here in the city and around the world and have an impact on the culture, plant the seed of the gospel, water it with prayer, Ask the wind of the Holy Spirit to come. And then trust Jesus to do what only he can do. Grow people up into faith. So uh, that's, that's what the, the church is about. That's when you see Farmstead Project. That's why we call it that. Because we want the family to be involved. Gathered around the communal table. Encouraging one another. Feeding one another. Healing one another. Walking with one another. Celebrating and and, and crying with one another, all for the purpose of Jesus sending us out into the world with his presence to make real impact. Transformation is what we have to give away because Jesus is with us. So the, the stated mission of the Indy Vineyard Church is to encounter the love and the power of God and then give it away to the world. And, and you hear something about that in every message that I ever give. Encountering God, 
his love and his power and then taking those things into the world so the world will know and see there's a God who loves and empowers. The vision of the church is that farmstead. It's like we as a church are one farm but many fields. And each and every one of you, not just the people who've been here for 20 years, but each and every one of you who walks in the door encounters God in some way. I mean, whether, you, whether this makes you feel good or not, you're a farmer. Deal with it. You carry the seed of hope in the gospel of Christ, and you carry it into fields where I could never get. You walk into places I could never go. Nor does God want me to go because he's given you influence there. And he's given Matthew influence in the car community. And he's given you, each and every one of you, a different place, a school, a neighborhood, a kitchen table, a nursery, a business, a research firm where you get to plant the gospel, the good news. That's part of the vision of the church. What powers the mission and the vision of the church are our values, the core values of the vineyard. And if, if you have never noticed them, I would like to point you to the walls, okay? Do you see the walls? In between all the beautiful art, and I won't tell you which childlike drawing is mine, these are the values of the church. And I would go so far as to say that one of these values is the reason that you're here. One of these values is the reason that you walked in and decided after your first time, you know, I think I'll come back. Because one of these values struck you. You probably are not a part of the vineyard. You probably didn't come back the second or the third or the fifth or the hundredth time because we have such amazing marketing all over the city. You probably don't come to the church because our signs are just so, they just draw you in. I have said many times from this stage, you have to have a prophetic gifting to actually find the building. (laughs) The good news is, if you're here, God brought you here. And I mean that. I mean that. God brought you here through all sorts of different mechanisms. Now, we're moving ahead. You know, we want to be better with communication and better with marketing. I mean, we want to give our very best to get the gospel out. But the reason we are an awesome church, and I don't mind saying that, is because of these values. Because God drew each and every one of you, and the 130 in the first service, and whoever else might walk in on any given day, because one of these values. You walked in and you stayed because you thought, you know, I don't know about the people and the weird building and there's a thousand doors, but, but I walked in and I felt God's presence. And you thought, I, I, got, I need that. I, I got to come back. Or you walked in and you realized, here are a people, an imperfect but authentic people who really want to be intimate with Jesus, who really believe he's here, present, and the lover of their souls. You, you came in and you, joy is here as well. Right over there. You came in and you came back because you heard a story of transformation. Or you know someone who walked in and said, I was a mess. I walked into the vineyard. They were all a mess too. And together we're getting healed. You know, when I walked into a vineyard church, 1987, Cincinnati, for the very first time, there was a little uh, like slogan on the wall. It said, 
Come as you are, you will be loved. And I thought, well, that's a pretty bold statement. They don't know me. (laughs) We still believe in that statement. We just take it a step further. Come as you are, you will be loved. But you will be loved so well that you will not stay as you are. And so you're here because you saw transformation in someone's life and you long for it. You're here because you actually believe that when Jesus left the earth and sent the Holy Spirit, that the people of God have been given a mission to continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you saw a supernatural lifestyle. Or you witnessed someone here serving with compassion. And I'll tell you, we have a lot of compassionate servants in this body. People that give and serve in our community, in the city, in, in the nation, that, you know, we don't even know about. I just last week heard, I, she's not here, she came for service, I won't embarrass her. There's a woman in our church who started a, a nonprofit that uh, has a home and resources for people dealing with cancer. So families can come in and be connected when they're dealing with the most traumatic event of their lives. And she was honored with an award in our city. You would never hear it from her. But she comes into this church and sits and worships. She's got a compassionate heart, and that's why she's here. Or you're here in this church because you thought, you know what I like about that place? They don't just talk about themselves, even though that's all I'm doing today. But we see that the the big deal in Indianapolis is not the vineyard church, but the kingdom of God. And we're a part of it. And that's why I often will say, you pass 20 churches on your way to the vineyard. That's fine if you pass them. Just pray for each one. Just pray for each one. Because the, the, the city will be turned to Jesus because the kingdom has arrived. Not just because the vineyard is here, but because Jesus has set up His kingdom, you know, the power and the presence of God is manifest in all the churches. If we did a survey, all the different denominations and types of churches that we've come from to make this bunch, I mean, we'd have dozens. And yet we're one because we serve one king. So I'm being bold today and saying you are here because of one of these values. And the values are so important to us because the mission and the vision, that's crucial but the values are what motivate us. This is what's most important to us. And so the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the values of the church. Hopefully not in a cold and a sterile way. Hopefully in a way that at one point in the next few weeks, you ought to just, you know, click into gear in your spirit and realize, yeah, that's why I'm here. And, and I want to tell you, this is an awesome church because you're here. Because you're here. Not because I'm here or Jane's here because we have great worship, though I think we do. Because we have good teaching, though I think we do. Because we love one another, though I think we do. But because God's brought you here with a unique gifting. I had a, I am veering so far off my notes right now. (laughs) I had a, a seminary professor at Trinity Seminary in Chicago, 1993. And, uh, I mean, I was in a class lots of classes with this particular professor. But one thing he said really stuck with me. I've said it here before. He said, every church has everything they need to do exactly what God has called them to do. And what it infused in me as a pastor was a mentality of abundance rather than scarcity. 
So at any point, you know, when there are lots of people in the church or few people in the church, whether there are piles of money, I can't really remember that, but when there's more money or less, you know, staff is up and down, we're feeling energetic or we're tired, I have always maintained the belief that we have everything we need to do what God's called us to do. And you know why that is? It's because you're here. It's because you're here. God's planted you here and, and given you something here. And so you learn and grow here, but you also give here. And so we are not lacking any spiritual gift as we wait for Jesus to return. That's scriptural. But it's not just because we have high-powered this and that, teacher, apostle, prophet, but because you're here and you carry those gifts. Our number one value in the church, the most important thing about the vineyard, is this very first value right here, the presence of God. And this, this is what we're all about, the presence of God. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, used to say, if God's not here, what are we doing? I mean, without the presence of God, we are just another club. If God isn't present and active, we're singing songs to the ceiling. And we are preaching to flesh and blood. And we are, what's the point? But if God is here, I mean, if God is truly here, not just omnipresent, but intimate, as we'll talk about in just a minute, not just upon us, but in us, to work through us, that changes everything. The presence of God changes everything. And so that's our number one value. We seek to encounter God, his very presence, and then carry that presence into the world. That's what we have to give to the world, is the presence of God. Yes, manifested in Jesus, Son of God, incarnate. Yes, uh, uh, shown in the evidence, the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, but more than just an intangible, ethereal, yes, God is everywhere. No, God is here. Mark 1, Jesus said, you know, uh, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. I mean, the picture is like right here. Stretch out your hand. There's the kingdom. Put your hand on your chest. If Jesus is your Lord, here's the kingdom right here. God being present is not just a nice idea. It's a reality that changes everything. Honestly, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not. God's present. Exodus chapter 33. Moses is having this encounter with God. And basically, short version, he's whining. <laughs> Moses was a big whiner. He, he, was, he was a baby whiner. Just read <laughs> Exodus, you know. God had picked him, not because he was greatly gifted, but because God set his love upon him. And, and Moses did a lot of whining because he was given a task that was impossible. You know what it was? Lead my people. Lead an obstinate people. Lead a people that have faith one day and abandon me the next. Sounds familiar. That's us. I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that's us. <laughs> Moses is having this encounter. And Moses says, says to the Lord, Exodus 33, you've been telling me, lead these people. Impossible task. But... You've not let me know whom you will send with me. You know, Moses is like, could you help a brother out? I got nothing over here, right? That's in the parentheses. 
You have said, I know you by name, intimacy, and you found favor with me. I even know you like me, God. You've shown that to me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. That sounds like a declaration. That's whining. I think Moses said, remember, these are your people. That's just my own opinion. Next slide. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I think Moses just went, okay. And I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I mean, this is, this is old covenant. This is before the Holy Spirit has come and filled the people of God. So Moses doesn't know. He's not sure, God, are you going to stay here or not? But he says, if you're not going to go, don't send me because I don't have what it takes to lead these people without you. And then he makes this statement, which is just fascinating to me. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What else but the very presence of God will show that we are any different than anyone else? And that's why that's such a crucial value for the vineyard. It's one of the reasons you're here. Because you, you recognize, you know, what else will make us different than anyone else? What if we had the best marketing and the best signs and the best music and the best preaching and the best whatever? All of that without the presence of God and the love of God, according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, clanging symbol, gong. What do we have if we don't have God? What we have is some good ideas and a lot of failure. A lot of experience that says, here's the, here's the way not to do it. And Moses, I just think, is straight on. Like, man, God, if you're not going to go, don't send us. But the promise of God is presence. You know, it's the most, uh, most often given command of God all through the Bible is be not afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Over and over and over again. And the most common reason that God himself gives for not fearing is this one thing. I will be with you. How can we go out into the world when it's scary out there and not be afraid? Because God is with us. How can you go to lunch today and face the spouse, the child, the family who's betrayed you and extend forgiveness? Only if God's with you. How can you walk into to work or school or your kitchen tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And, and not just feel like the world's crumbling around you, except that God is with you, and God's presence changes everything. It's what distinguishes us as a people. And hear me, not just the vineyard. I've walked into Episcopal, Presbyterian, Roman Catholic, Quaker, Lutheran. Sorry if I'm offending you by forgetting your place, you know. I mean, all sorts of churches and around the world and felt the presence of God because that's what distinguishes the people of God. And that's why we value it so greatly. Luke 24, Jesus is, has gone through the cross. He's, he's been raised from the dead. He is, he's back alive. He's speaking to his disciples. He's the son of God in flesh, dead, raised, and now incarnate in a glorified body. I can't imagine what that was like. 
And he's speaking to the disciples and he's giving them a commission. I don't know if they get it yet or not. And he says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He's explaining what has just happened. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. They may not get it yet, but he's giving them their commission. And when you read Luke 24, it's your commission. Because you've believed through them and have the same Holy Spirit. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We are right between the eras here. So Jesus is about to depart from earth, ascend into heaven. And he, he tells them in John 16 or 14 or somewhere in John. He says, it's good for you if I leave because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. While Jesus was on earth, he was one physical body, one spirit, the manifestation of God on earth. But when he leaves and sends the spirit, all of a sudden God can be everywhere. So he says, wait in the city till you've been clothed with power from on high. Wait until you get filled with what changes everything, the presence of God. Then Acts chapter 2 happens, Pentecost, and all heaven breaks loose on the people. All heaven breaks loose. And it's a wild scene because now the Spirit has been poured out. Whereas in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon specific people for specific times and specific projects. All of a sudden, the Spirit is given all flesh. Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2. All flesh gets to experience the kingdom of God and the presence of God. And that means you. That, that means you. Because now God has come to the disciples and he's being poured through the disciples. And the presence of God is a big deal. So we are not just, you know, a purpose-driven church. I'm all about purpose-driven church. That's great. Jane and I used the Purpose-Driven Life book. 15 years ago in our neighborhood, led two people to Christ through that. Right there in our neighborhood. Great. But we are not a purpose-driven church. Our purpose comes from his presence. We're a presence-driven church. Whatever God wants to do, we want to do. We get his purpose from his presence, right? And we're not just a power-driven church, though we believe the Holy Spirit is available and we can raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and heal the sick and forgive and preach the gospel and love unconditionally but we're not just a power driven church because our power comes from his presence we're all about passion right we love passionate worship and passionate people but we're not a passion driven church because our passion our true love comes from his presence we're a presence driven church it's why sometimes you'll see funny things happening up here people coming and whispering and me going up and saying we're going to do this or that or me saying, is there a testimony? Or, or, or me asking, what's God doing here? Because I don't want my purpose to be fulfilled. I love our staff and our elders, but I don't want the staff and the elders' purposes to be fulfilled in our power. I want the presence of God to be fully manifested, and then I want us to do what God's doing. If there is a, a tagline verse for the vineyard Association of churches around the world is John 5.19. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. 
And that, that's us. How will we know what he's doing except that we recognize his presence and we see him moving? And then we like to come alongside and join in. And then sometimes we like to take the credit for it. But, you know, that's another sermon. The Great Commission is possible because the presence of God is promised. And what that means for us practically as a church is when we walk in and worship or you go to a transforming group or you're on a, a, a service team or, or you're back with the kids, that we're always aware God's here and that changes everything. Individually, it means when you walk out of the doors today, You walked in and you were in the presence of God. You don't leave the presence when you leave the church. You carry the presence with you. So everywhere that any believer walks in the city, in the nation, in the world, the kingdom of God is there because the king is present. I mean, that just changes everything. And that's that's what I want to leave you with today. That's what I want to commission you with for this week or the rest of your lives. That when, when difficulty comes, and I'm not prophesying it, but Job said, in the book of Job, uh, man was born for trouble as sparks fly upward. In other words, it's going to be hard out there. We're all going to face it. This week, this month, this season, when you face difficulty, I just pray that the question that will come into your mind You know, difficult conversation, difficult work environment, difficult physical issue, economic issue. How would this be different if God was present? And then you'd have the realization, oh, yeah, (laughs) he is. He's at the car show. He's in the hospital room. He's in your office. He's, I don't mean to get too personal here, he's in your marriage bed. He's in your decision-making process. You know, what, would the, what would the church look like? What would the city look like if believers every minute of every day just kept that in the forefront of their mind? God is here. Jesus is present. He's right here. And we just uttered that prayer. Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing now? It takes risk. It looks weird sometimes. It feels awkward. But man, when we follow the presence of God, it's what led the people out of, out of bondage and into freedom. It's what, brought, it's what brought the love and the power of God to earth, the presence of God. And so that makes us a community of transformation because we're gathered around the presence of God. When we talk about a, a, a farm, you think that sounds strange, but we are a transformational farmstead. That means every single person here has the the spirit of the living God within them. You know, so our first initiative of the Farmstead Project was seed and soil about a year and a half ago. We raised money because we so care about the presence of God. We want to communicate it well. And we want every generation to get it. And we want the, the poor and the lost in the city to see it. Now, like Lynn was talking about, the second initiative of the Farmstead Project is what we're about to walk into. And we're just calling it Walk It Out because we've been in an intimate place with the Lord for the last, you know, 50 days before Easter. And now as we look at what motivates us as a church, all these values, starting with the presence of God, here's the great news. We get to carry it into the world. 
not just the people on staff, every single one of us. So starting May 21st, I mean, you're going to hear a lot about it in the next month, but starting May 21st, we're, we're going to send everyone to plant prayer out there, to cultivate community out there, and to mobilize mission out there because we carry the presence of God. What else would distinguish us from any other people except that God is with us? That's his constant promise. Jesus said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Let's stand. The ministry team could come forward, and especially if the team has any specific words this morning. Lynn, thanks. I just want to issue a, a, a general invitation. And I don't care if you come forward or you stay in your seat. I just want to issue a, a general invitation. If you sense in your life right now, in your mind, in your heart, you feel it in your body, a hunger for a manifestation of the presence of God, not just feel good, but a, a hunger for the presence of God erupting in your life. And I just want you to take a step. Maybe you kneel by your seat. Maybe you come forward. Have someone pray for you or just kneel in the front. And God, God wants to bless us with a greater awareness of his presence. He is present. But he wants to open our eyes to see it. He wants to sensitize hearts to feel it. He wants to open up emotions to encounter the presence of God. And he wants to instill faith in hearts that takes real legs and hands out into the world to give the presence away. Any specific? Um, when Randy was speaking at the beginning, I, I was just like, do you have a word I'm supposed to give or something, Lord? Because I felt something. And um, I was just like, I don't know. And, and all of a sudden, I got a picture of a cloud. And, and he said, it's a glory cloud. And I'm like, okay. And um, I just feel like, um, and then he told me it was his presence. And there's, there's either a person or maybe all of us out there that... Um, he just wants to say, look up, um, there's hope, there's permission, there's edification and confirmation. So I just feel like if, if that goes for anybody out there, he's just encouraging us to, to take a step. And like Randy was saying, that, that he'll be with us. Um, so I just want to encourage you for that. Okay, I didn't say anything before <laughs> at the beginning, but I was looking around the room after worship. I was looking around the room after worship, and it was like, you know, I'm seeing the kingdom of God is in each one of us. You know, so it's like seeing that. And um, I do think there are people that probably don't realize or don't um, want to believe or don't feel like they believe that the kingdom is in them, but it is. And um, so I just want to share that. And then 
when the farm to dead picture came up, I don't know how to explain it. It was like, there was so much in that picture. It's like, it's like, you know, that one plant just doesn't just feed one person, that we feed multiples of people, you know, and that's how God's kingdom is, you know. If we just take that kingdom with us wherever we go, we are touching so many, so many. So anyway, that's pretty much all I'm going to say. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to, I want to give more to you. Yeah, does it, that, if any of that resonates with you, if you struggle with that, like, do I really carry the kingdom of God in me? If that, if you struggle to, to, to make that your own, come up and get prayer. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll close with this and I'll pray for us. The, uh, right when Jesus was about to give the Great Commission, so we're familiar with Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go and make disciples of all nations. Right before that, it says that, that Jesus took them to a mountain and there they worshipped him and some doubted. That's what it says. Disciples who'd seen the risen Lord and it said, and some doubted. And then Jesus turns even to those who doubt and he gives them the Great Commission. It's not like he said you have to have perfect faith. They worshipped him, but some doubted. So some of us are those doubters this morning. It's like, I I want to believe, I worship, but I don't know. And God wants to commission you today. He wants to commission you today. So let me pray. If you were, uh, any of that touches you, come forward. We want to pray for you. Father, thank you for the commission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Pour down upon us the gift of faith. That we can walk even through doubts to receive the commission and carry the presence of God. We love you. We trust you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like someone to pray, come forward or pray in your seat. Otherwise, go in peace and remember Jesus is within you. Amen.